How much nerd can three nerds nerd talk when three nerds talk nerd talk about Star Trek? It turns out, quite a lot. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Dowd podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and this week we've got an interesting show for you. Michael Fisher is on, finally, to not talk about foldables. It only took two years. Instead, he's waving his nerd flag high by talking Star Trek. Specifically, Michael took a Star Trek cruise that was basically like the mothership calling Michael home. We're talking Star Trek celebrities, Star Trek decor, and about 2,000 hardcore Star Trek nerds all gathered round just to soak up the Star Trekidom. And by the way, side note on this, it's fair to say that Michael was excited about this trip, but Cliff and I were pretty geeked about it too. So normally when there's an edited interview, I slice 10, maybe 12 minutes off the conversation. 20, 20 whole minutes ended up in the full version, which patrons have now had for a week and a half. So if you want to get in on that hot action, patreon.com slash benefit of a doubt and I thank you. Of course, the full interview will be available on May 1st if you want to wait that long or Toss me a couple of bucks, get the good stuff early. Your call. Plus, amidst all the Star Trek nerdery, we've got some Ghostbusters nerdery as well as our Tech Yeah segment, which happens right in the middle of the interview. So you're going to want to stick around for that. And of course, we will get to all of that. But first, we have to get to the news of the week. If you've been watching the news, you're probably aware that during the invasion of Ukraine, Russian troops have been inexplicably using the letter Z as a sort of rallying cry and no one really knows why. Zorro seems not relevant and what's even more odd is that the Russian Cyrillic alphabet doesn't even have the letter Z. So seriously, what's up with that, comrades? Now, the letter Z is the shape my body tends to draw on the wall as I fall to the floor after a vodka bender, so... Maybe that's something. Anyway, because of that, Samsung has dropped the letter Z from its folding phone branding in some regions. Here in America, it's still the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold and Z Flip, but elsewhere in parts, you know, near Russia and Ukraine, it's simply known as the Galaxy Fold and Galaxy Flip. So we can credit the Ukraine war for one, and honestly, really only one positive, finally getting Samsung to name its phones properly. Honestly, the Z thing felt forced to begin with. V would have made more sense, but whatever. Now the question is, when will Samsung bring that branding back? When the war is over? After that? Never? We'll just have to wait and see, but I'm hoping for never. Here's a disturbing little story. You remember Wise? Cliff reviewed a watch of theirs for the show about a year ago. Meanwhile, my old editor in the smart home section, John Velasco, was a big proponent of Wise cams. They offered decent picture and connectivity for bargain basement prices. Well, it turns out there may have been a reason for that. The security on the cameras was hot garbage. Now, how bad could it have been, you might ask? Well, dear listener, allow me to tell you. Security researcher Bitdefender reached out to Wise three years ago. Three years ago! And told Wise, hey, 
there's a massive security vulnerability in your camera that could allow ne'er-do-wellers to access the camera's SD card, expose the encryption key, and then settle down for movie night while the camera focuses on your five-year-old playing with his trains. Very, very not cool. So Bitdefender reached out to Wise, and Wise just didn't respond for 18 months. Then it took another year and change to actually update the Wise Camera 2 and Wise Camera 3. The Wise Camera 1 was discontinued back in January, but no one told anyone anything until the bug was disclosed this week. That's messed up. Typically, after a security researcher contacts a company and there's no response, it'll keep the secret for a number of days, a week, maybe a month. The logic is, I found this bug, someone else can too, and people who buy these pieces of crap should know about it, and if Wise won't tell them, we will. But in this case, the bug was so bad that Bitdefender decided not to tell anyone until the bug was addressed. Because if it tells everyone earlier, hackers can read those like Lego instructions and build a nice little car for themselves. And by car, I mean nanny cam. Now, it turns out the bug wasn't as bad as initially feared. Like most bugs of this nature, the initial attack usually has to come from within the network, meaning you gotta give someone the Wi-Fi password for them to use this exploit. But still... That doesn't feel good. Three years, Wise. Three years. You can do better, Wise. Actually, on your budget, you probably can't, but still. This week saw the unveiling of the weirdest Dyson product ever, and I'm about to say the words that most podcast listeners hate to hear, but I'm going to say them anyway. You need to see this thing to believe it. Link in the show notes. It's a pair of noise-canceling headphones, because that makes total sense coming from a vacuum company, but it's also a face shield called The Zone that is supposed to purify the air coming into your face. And if you're thinking to yourself, gosh, the only way they'd be able to do that would be to make a person look like a complete dork or some Batman versus Bane cosplay nerd. Well, you're right, and oh my god, they did that, didn't they? Yes, they did. They made a face shield that makes you look like Bane. Think Jordi LaForge, but the visor is three times thicker and goes in front of your mouth instead of your eyes. And yes, this does look ridiculous and stupid. And yes, Dyson's heart was in the right place. The zone is designed to protect you from all the nasty pollution that you're breathing in. And by the way, there's also a chance that this is not only ridiculous and stupid, but also insanely unsafe from a super spreader standpoint. Because this zone face thing has fans that actively blow your breath away from your body. Wait, Adam, you mean the same breath that we've been wearing masks for the last two years to specifically not breathe on people? Why, yes, you good little Democrat, that's exactly the breath that I'm talking about. One creator on Twitter who goes by the name Real Sexy Cyborg claims that the mask is actually a public health hazard because of those fans that will distribute breath emissions to everyone around you because, you know, it's a fan. And that being said, I would comfort Real Sexy Cyborg by pointing out that this thing is so ridiculous and stupid that no one will ever buy it. Like, ever. Like, it's never going to happen, and everyone involved in this project should be fired for actively working on such a ridiculous piece of crap. You thought Google Glass and Bluetooth headset dongles were bad? Get ready for a whole new level of stupid. Link in the show notes. Sony unveiled its PlayStation Plus subscription, which is meant to be a direct competitor to Xbox's Game Pass. But there's just 
one tiny flaw in Sony's offering. Brand new games will not be offered to PS Plus subscribers. Instead, the game will be sold for a while and then brought into the surface. Why? Well, I'll let PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan explain it. Quote, we feel like we are in a good virtuous cycle with the studios where the investment delivers success, which enables yet more investment, which delivers yet more success. We like that cycle, and we think our gamers like that cycle. In terms of putting our own games into this service, or any of our services, upon their release, well... As you well know, this is not a road that we've gone down in the past, and it's not a road that we're going to go down with this new service. We feel like if we were to do that with the games we make at PlayStation Studios, that virtuous cycle would be broken. The level of investment that we need to make in our studios would not be possible, and we think the knock-on effect on the quality of games that we make would not be something that gamers want. So, what does all that mean, Adam? Money. Basically, if we give users games for free, they won't pay for them. That's kind of how that works, right. But they won't sign up for your stupid subscription service either, which gives you money in perpetuity, not just a 60 buck drop and thanks and have a nice day. So in short, Xbox gets it and Sony probably never will. And years from now, Sony will wonder why so many people keep signing up for Xbox's service and they can't give away free coupons for PS Plus at Chuck E. Cheese. Then Jim Ryan will be fired and it'll already be too late because Microsoft will have bought the world by then and it's all because you wouldn't give me God of War on day one. Bad Jim, no cookie. Back in September of 2021, Apple decided to ease up on some App Store restrictions, and that was only to escape the Japanese Fair Trade Commission. This modification allows so-called reader apps, I'm using air quotes here, to give users the ability to sign up for an account using the company's own system as opposed to Apple's system, hence not having to pay Apple the 30% cut. Well, this week, those rules went into place, allowing apps like Amazon Kindle, Netflix, and Spotify to give users a path to sign up for an account. Wait, reader apps? Spotify? The hell? Basically, Apple defines reader apps as an app that allows a user to access pre-purchased content like movies on Netflix or books on Amazon Kindle. Up until now, if a user wanted to listen to Spotify but didn't have an account, they'd have to visit Spotify.com and sign up for an account there, and then and only then go to the app to log in. Now they can go from the app to the website, not have to pay Apple a cut, and if you're wondering what that screaming sound is, that would be Tim Sweeney throwing his assistant out the window to go after his chair. Apple gets to define what a reader app is or is not, and so far, the apps are limited to apps that don't have in-app purchases, so this isn't going to cost Apple any more money anyway. They weren't getting paid, since neither Netflix nor Spotify offered any ability to create an account, instead saying, hey, you want to log in? Cool, go sign up for an account and come on back. Yes, it's a pain in the butt, but Apple's got an Apple, right? I might have been paraphrasing there. Anyway, this is another step towards something no longer resembling a monopoly, but it is a small and fairly insignificant step. You might remember a few weeks ago we talked about how Apple was getting on board the right to repair movement by allowing customers to repair their own iPhones. They could sign up for the repair program and through it order official parts, manuals, and tools that would allow them to repair things like 
cracked screens or defective batteries. Well, now Samsung is partnering with iFixit to do the same thing. Samsung is offering customers the ability to order parts, tools, and manuals for the Galaxy S20 and S21 series of phones, as well as the Tab S7. Oddly enough, the S22 and Tab S8 are both left out, but hopefully you won't have broken your phone or tablet already. Oh, come on, it's been a month. Jesus! Anyway, it's nice to see Samsung and Apple on the right-to-repair train. I mean, I'll never repair my own phone, but you can if you want, and that's awesome. I just think it's ironic that Apple, whose software bugged its own studio computers, is on board the right-to-repair train. It's deeply weird, but... Anyway, if you have a Samsung phone and you want to take a crack at it, you can. Just be really careful, and I should also mention that the Verge article does not mention anything about your warranty, but it's probably fair to assume that it won't apply anymore. OnePlus announced the OnePlus 10 Pro in one of the cringiest bits I've ever seen, and I saw the Galaxy S4 launch, people. This time, OnePlus put a female executive in front of a Shark Tank panel of foreign investors while the exec extolled the virtues of the phone. It was really bad, and trust me when I tell you that despite the fact that you can go watch the presentation with the link in the show notes, just don't. The OnePlus 10 Pro is an impressive phone, and you can bet we'll be talking about this phone on a future episode of the podcast. But suffice it to say, the hardware is impressive, and the software is not. My colleague at Digital Trends reviewed the phone and said if you were worried that OnePlus was going to kill off Oxygen OS, you can stop worrying. It's already dead. I didn't say it had to be good news, I just said that you could stop worrying. Personally, I've never been enamored with Oxygen OS, and I can honestly say the software is... Fine. But the purists will hate it, and for that, I am sorry. But stay tuned for our full review coming in just a week or two. Breaking news came onto the podcast while Cliff and I were recording the Doubting Thomas Monthly Recap, and it turns out that E3, one of the biggest gaming conventions of the year, is flat out cancelled. Like, not virtual, just nothing. The conference was originally switched from an in-person event to a virtual event back in January, citing COVID concerns. We don't have an official reason as to why the event was canceled, but organizers assure us that E3 will be back in 2023, so yay! The Verge goes on to point out that a number of major game developers have withdrawn from E3 and said preferring to hold their own shows like Nintendo Direct. Essentially, E3 is becoming the CES of the gaming world, and that's not good, boss. It remains to be seen what will happen with E3. A return in 2023 isn't going to bring back any big-name developers, so ESA will have to get creative when it comes to a new show next year. Strippers, steak dinners, puppies? Puppies would be fun. Of course, if E3 isn't coming back until 2023, that means the earliest game they're going to preview is going to be like, what, released in 2026, 2027? Something like that. Can't wait to see the trailer for the trailer for the sneak peek at... I don't know, Final Fantasy 86 or whatever they'll be on by then. That is exciting. And finally, as the James Webb Telescope settles into its new home, the Hubble Telescope spied the furthest star it has ever spied. It detected the lights from a star that is 12.9 billion with a B light years away from Earth. 12.9 billion light years. That means that the light photons that it detected were created 12.9 billion years ago, and we're only now just seeing it. 
Telescopes like this are really cool because they're like little time machines in that way. We're actually looking at a star that was only a billion years old at the time. That's just a billion years after the Big Bang. That's huge, and I mean it's literally huge. Scientists estimate that the star, now named Arendel, is about 50 times the mass of our sun. And just wait until you hear about how they saw this thing. Because, you see, it's impossible for the Hubble telescope to see a star 12.9 billion light years away. But we got lucky because a galaxy cluster dubbed WHL 0137-08 happened to be passing between us and the star. The mass of the galaxy cluster warped the fabric of space and basically served as a giant magnifying glass so that we could see the star. What? And if you had any doubts that the people at NASA are smarter than you and me, they have just been laid to rest. The next step, after intense partying that is, is to focus the James Webb telescope on it to determine what kind of star it is and take temperature readings. The galaxy cluster should remain in place for the next few years, which will allow us to study the star further, so you know, that's a relief. But good Molly Miss Molly on a cracker, this is some cool stuff and I'm glad to be a part of it. And by... Be a part of it, I mean, read it on NASA's blog. But hey, that's close enough. Is space the final frontier, or is it the ocean? Michael Fisher has a deep love and appreciation of all things Trek, and that includes a Star Trek-themed cruise ship with cast members, decorations, and a life-size action figure box that provides the most delightful photo I've ever seen of Mr. Fisher. So he's here to tell us all about it. Michael Fisher, welcome back to the podcast. Adam Dowd, it is absolutely thrilling to be here to talk about something other than smartphones, even though I'm sure we will touch on those <laughs> at some point. Other than foldables. I mean, you've been pretty well cubbied yeah, on this fine. podcast. Good. <laughs> that's all I'm interested in. So that works out. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, but you know, spoiler alert, you'll have to be back once more before the end of the year for a Beyond a Doubt appearance because good. you just have to. I agree to this. So. <laughs> And also joining us is Mr. Clifton Thomas. Welcome home from work, Cliff, because I know you like literally just walked in the door. I did. I literally, as I was driving home, called my wife and said, put the dog in the crate. Daddy's getting ready to go to work. Put the dog and then in you the told crate. her what you actually meant by that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fun fact. That it was, was an awkward be, uh, moment. And then I'm like, no, really? <laughs> I, yeah. According to the latest leaks, that's what Captain Pike is going to say to go to warp. Put the dog in the crate. <laughs> dog in the crate. Put the dog in the crate. Danny's going to work. That's right. <laughs> it's going to be a little like banjo chase we'll music for some it. reason. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I can't wait for that show too. That's going to be uh, that's going to be a good one. And and you know, for for the audience off air, we were talking about uh, Star Trek Picard and Star Trek Discovery and all things Star Trek because that's kind of what Michael does when he's not talking about mm, foldables. Very true. So. So, Michael, you recently took a trip, uh, a bit of a venture, if you will. I did. Out onto the, out on, oh my God, it only just now occurred to me, like, how amazing this must have been for you, because not only were you combining your love of Star Trek, but your love of boats and yes. the sea and so just like. ridiculous. This is what I told man. everyone. Everyone's like, are you having a good cruise so far? I'm like, this is, the only thing I'm as nerdy about as Star Trek <laughs> is not a cali not a callus, uh, not a calia, if you will. Uh, no, no, no. It was, it was wonderful. And I will give you an, an additional insight into this. 
We were, uh, unless unless you wanted to further set it up. I was going to say, that's kind of what you're here for. All right, for, all right, so all right. right. So, um, <laughs> so the Star Trek cruise aside, I spent a week aboard the Mariner of the Seas, which is a Royal Caribbean cruise ship of the Voyager class. And this is significant to me, not just because it's the Voyager class, uh, and also the Mariner is a nice Easter egg if you watch um, Star Trek Lower Decks. It's the lead character's name. Um, I don't, but okay. Okay. Well, you should. <laughs> I think you'd appreciate its humor. But uh, I don't do cartoons, but anyway. I, neither do I, but I watch Lower Decks because <clears> it starts. Anyway, we'll get to that. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> I grew up writing some bad novels. I, I was a high school kid who wrote novels, and you will never get to read them. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but one of them was set on a cruise ship, and... As inspiration at the time, they were building the lead ship of the class. They were building the Voyager of the Seas. So I grew up for two or three years in my bedroom with a poster on the wall uh, next to my Spice Girls poster and um, Thou Shalt Not Wine plaque from the San Diego Zoo or some shit, uh, a cross-section of the Voyager of the Seas. So I, I, it, it was amazing for me to finally get to step foot on this thing after... You know, real after imagining what it was like to be to what it would be like to go on a ship that is big enough to support a you know essentially a mall um, mm. and yeah. a, a full size theater. And in the case of the Voyager, a hockey rink. We didn't have one of those. We had another theater, I think. Uh, but at any rate, that was a treat in and of itself. And then okay. it's uh, what I feared briefly, both for COVID reasons and for nerd <laughs> reasons, was that we would be a Star Trek convention on a regular cruise so that you'd have a regular cruise ship filled with a bunch of regular people trying to have a good time and then like oh. 500 nerds no okay <laughs> no the entire thing was a charter so it was 2600 or so uh star trek fans and the crew and that's it that's awesome oh god it, that is pretty awesome it was i mean sir it was. It might have been novel just to see like 500 Star Trek nerds, um, you know, convening <laughs> with a bunch of 2,000 normals, like yeah. on a regular, you know, like. Yeah. Uh, I actually yeah. think it would have been. Could you just imagine like the uh, back off, pal, live long and prosper, <laughs> you know, I mean, like that. I think it would have yeah, been I much mean, like, funnier if it was like the uh, the reverse of that. So you had, you know, like 30 non-Trekkies and then 2,000 oh. Trekkies on a <laughs> Well, actually, Cliff, that's basically what we got because a lot of people attended with their spouses or their partners. Mm. Right. And who don't give who, a crap. Right. Like some of them are, in fact, Trekkie couples, you know, but some of them are right. like, I would meet maybe one person every two days. It was like, oh, what are you, which, what, what are you here for? It's like, ah, oh, my wife or my husband is like, I don't mm. really get into it. But, you know, uh, it's a cruise ship for a week. What was I going to do? Say no? It's like, yeah, well, right. fair point. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So was that your first, of, Has have you been on board a cruise ship before for a like on a cruise, cruise before I have indeed you have I have uh, I kind of figured that would be like you know a, a low hanging fruit for you well but just still. one just one cruise and it was in in uh, in college it was for my dad's 60th birthday my dad and my aunt are twins and to celebrate oh, that fun. we yeah we went on a on a cruise because my dad is of course a nautical nerd like I am so it was great fun for us both every time I get underway lean out over the rail and watch the tugs do their things like oh just how many bow thrusters does this thing have uh, but. That was, you know, what, 13 years ago. So it was my first right. time on a, and certainly on a ship of this size. Um, it was tremendous. Now, you mentioned that you originally booked this pre-COVID, but obviously it got pushed oh, off. Oh, years. Those... Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so like, 
I, I, I just, uh, how did you hear about this and how fast did you book it after you heard about it? Because... <laughs> uh, you know, it's, I, it's always danced around. Like when I was a kid, I remember there was a, a, a publication called Starland Magazine where you could buy it and then you would buy it so you could buy other things, you know, Star Trek com badges and stuff. Uh, and they had Naturally. advertisements at the time for a Star Trek cruise. It was a different incarnation. It was a different events company, whatever. But it was still very early in life. I was aware that you could buy tickets and spend a week on a cruise ship, not just with other Star Trek fans, but with this, with the actors. Um, mm. And so I think, you know, 2018 or whenever it was that I finally booked this thing, I finally had enough money to do it, which means, by the way, still, I had to pay it over 12 months. And even <laughs> then it was like, why the hell am I not? Why, why are all my bank numbers looking red now instead of like, what's going on? You know, it wasn't cheap, but... Um, it was affordable. Said the if you guy paid who over. bought every foldable that has come out, like not with my own money. <laughs> anyway. We got a budget for that. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess I bought the razor, but the Z Flip I got for free. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was expensive, but it was worth it. It was doable, and I was so grateful to be able to do it. And then when it was pushed back by a year, I was grateful for that too. I didn't want to be on a cruise ship. I was terrified to get on a cruise ship, even as it was. Man, like. The fact that it, it fell in between the crests of the Omicron wave was just mm. fortuitous timing. But also, once I familiarized myself with all the paperwork and realized, you know, it was one of the safer places I could be. Okay, so all right, so you're let's let's just kind of walk through the experience. You show up. Where did the where did the ship sail out of? Was it uh, Port, Port Lauderdale? Port or? Canaveral. Another bonus, my okay. friend. Yeah. Anyway, roll up to the ship the next day, and um, you know. When you you got a pregame on a Star Trek cruise, right? Not not with alcohol, but with references. So we're rolling up with in our Uber, and the the ship clears the tree or the building or whatever, and I see it for the first time, and I just say, "There she is! There she is!" Oh. <laughs> My Uber driver has no idea what's going on. I'm like, "The Wrath of Khan, best Star Trek. Never mind. They'll they'll know on the ship. <laughs> you don't know." <laughs> um, but I was struck by the fact that once we walked aboard. I mean, this it's not just a charter. It's not just the lowest possible effort. I mean, this Entertainment Cruise Productions was, I think, the name of the company. And every elevator on the ship was redressed as a turbo lift. Oh, awesome. Every bar on the promenade was (laughs) renamed to to the themes. There was a bar called the Schooner Bar when it's not a charter, but I think it was renamed the Captain's Lounge. And they have all these old paintings, these oil paintings of old pirate-era captains and all this stuff, and they've all been redone (laughs) with the captains from Star Trek. But the rest of the painting is unchanged. Like, you go into the casino, and there's Quark there with a bunch of gold-pressed Latin. I'm like, it's just every possible theming thing you could think of. It It was just exquisitely done. I, it, 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 I was I was so grateful for that because so many times you can go to these conventions and they just again it's for a long time it's like one table really, with like yeah, some Star yeah. Trek garland on it that's like Absolutely. you would put up at your kid at your ten year old's birthday party or something yeah man it was just nice it was it, it, it's nice to be taken care of by a company that you really feel like is doing real work and they you know they yeah. really were. And it sounds like they were. It sounds like they were almost as into it as you were, which is probably a fairly high bar. <laughs> uh, absolutely, man. And that was another thing to, to be surrounded by. And I'll talk more about this in a bit. But just to be surrounded by people who were, at a bare minimum, as into Star Trek as I am, you know, that feels great. If you can en- envision mm-hmm. the thing you are most passionate about from a fandom perspective, we were talking off mic about the Star Wars um, Galaxy's Edge in, in Disney World. You know, it's like. Mm-hmm. It it feels really great to be surrounded by people with whom you know you have 
something very important about yourself in common. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, and 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 yeah, like Galaxy's Edge is, is so well done. Like we just like we just walked in and we're just like, oh yeah, I'm I'm feeling this. Like, and yeah. you just like look everywhere, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah. And I and like I was thinking like every single step I took in Galaxy's Edge, I'm like, my brother needs to be here. Right. Like he needs to be here, yeah. like so desperately. But and and I could I could just imagine that like on a cruise ship just. I mean, did they have at least one bar called 10 Forward? They had to. So they had something better, Adam Dowd. Uh, One of the things you may not know if you have not taken a cruise, um, General Yu, is that the ship is very large, typically, and very difficult to navigate. Um, Okay. No matter how well it's laid out, it's just such a monster. And there are so many decks, and you can get lost very easily. So one of the many event spaces that was used very well throughout the course of the thing was called 5 Forward, because it was located forward. On deck five, it's the only place five. I could find without referring to the to the ship's map, and I really appreciated that. <laughs> Were there two angry aliens there telling you human played Domjot? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Unfortunately, that was Starbase Earhart uh, down in the crew uh, lounge. Yes. I wasn't allowed down there after I yeah got an altercation. Play Domjot, <laughs> human. Well, you- <laughs> you don't want to get stabbed through the back anyway. Right, so exactly. You have to have a replacement. Because then you've got to call Dr. Pulaski to come and, and build, give you a new out, heart. And it's just a it's pain just, in the butt, sure really. Is. I don't have enough garamba for that myself. But <laughs> I, it's okay. I know that about myself. All right. Um, so, yeah, before we before we drift too far away, yes. <laughs> let's, um, let's kind of bring it back in. So, like, what other kind of entertainment experiences were available on this... Um, on this cruise, like, like what other kind of uh, what other kind of treats were in store for you on your seven day voyage across the stars? I would list them all, but it would be just so painful to listen to. There's just so many, uh, you know, everything from trivia nights where we did very well. Uh, you know, 18 out of 20, 17 out of 20 are our average, not bad That's in our, respectable. our little groups. Um, they every single night. There was a different Star Trek movie played up on deck on the big screen behind the funnel. And you could get yourself okay. a pool chair, camp out, and watch one of the movies. One night, Walter Koenig, a.k.a. Chekhov, introduced Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, in the main theater and shared with us some of his memories uh, from that. Hmm. Um, there were things I did not participate in, such as yoga on the on the upper deck, not because I didn't want to, because I would, I would have been very embarrassed by my performance. Nana, uh, <laughs> a visitor, uh, had, had a series of interviews for her documentary about women in Trek, and everyone was welcome to come up and share their experiences, uh, how Trek had affected them, and, and so on. Um, Garrett Wong was hilariously led, uh, just hilariously led everything. He's very, very funny, Ensign Harry Kim. Uh, There there were these extensions of games that you are familiar with, like uh, Hollywood Squares. There was a special edition of that. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Please tell me George (laughs) Takei was one of them. Yes, but uh, the amount of laughing, you just don't expect it, because you, you get John Billingsley up there from Enterprise, the doctor from Enterprise, and he's just... Everything that comes out of his mouth, you know these people in your life where every joke they they drop is like a 9 out of 10, and they do three in a row in two minutes, and you're falling out of your damn chair. I mean, John Billingsley is one of the funniest (laughs) people I've ever seen. You know, it's it's that kind of stuff. Um, And that's not even counting the shore excursions, you know. That's just aboard the ship. Hmm. Um, The shore excursions, you know, were a different level, too. We went to um, Nassau, Bahamas, which, Mm. you know, fine. I've... My least favorite stop, I think. Um, my favorite was St. Martin mm. for hmm. one reason. I don't know anything about St. Okay. Martin except it's that airport you've seen on YouTube, folks. 
where the airport runway apron is 200 feet from the beach. Oh, yeah, I think I saw a picture of that on your Instagram. Yeah, (laughs) and of course there are five bars that sprouted up right there, so you can pick a place and sit there with some fried food and a Carib beer, my new favorite beer, and they have a little chalkboard set up with the incoming flight information. And if you, we made probably our best friend we made on the cruise was a guy named Harvey, who's a doctor in New York City, Um, and we kind of hung out with him the whole time, and he had a an app that lets you listen to the local tower air traffic. So we knew when this Delta flight was going to be 15 minutes early. So we'd kind of get another beer, walk back out up to the beach, wait for it. And that's sure enough, this freaking 757 comes right overhead. And I mean, it's, (laughs) you can see it in in the video I shot. Like you start, I start at 10 X, come back to three, come back to a single. And then, this ultra wide shot and the plane doesn't fit in the frame because it's given me a haircut. It's just right, <laughs> right over the top. And then you get the blast of jet exhaust in your face and people's hats are flying off and it should not be permitted. It is manifestly unsafe, <laughs> but it's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> oh man. If you go to St. Martin, this... you got to go to this. Beer. All right. So we're coming up on enjoying this interview. Did you know that there are over 10 more minutes of time where we talked that ended up on the bonus version? The full interview is available to all of my patrons right now over at patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. For as little as $2 per month, you can get in on the ground floor of this podcast and help support the show. Plus, you'll get additional benefits like access to my Discord, early podcasts, bonus live shows, and so much more. Just go to patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. That's patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. And if you don't want to be a patron, that's okay too. Full interviews become available at the beginning of each new month. So, for example, trimmed interviews in January will have the full versions on February 1st. I don't want you to miss out. Just head over to patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt and you can listen to the full interviews even if you don't subscribe because I still want you to love the show. There are more great options for helping me out at benefitofadoubt.com slash support. That's benefitofthedoubt.com slash support. You'll get a list of all my affiliations and monetization options all wrapped up in a neat little package at benefitofadoubt.com slash support. I hope you visit. I hope you take in some full interviews. And as always, I thank you for listening. This, you got to go to this. Beer. All right. So we're coming up on <laughs> on time here, uh, at least as my, uh, the amount of time that I had had asked from you. So uh, let's about, get some final thoughts on the Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, uh, mm. Let's get some final thoughts on the Star Trek cruise, and uh, and uh, you know, I'll give you a overall impressions worth the. Mo- Do you want to say like how much it was? No. Okay, fair. <laughs> these are these are publicly available fees. If you want to know, you can look it up. Uh, there was a fair comma enough. in it, and it was way the hell into the commas. Um, All right. But uh, I will say this. Everything was fantastic. Look, this has been something of a theme, right? I'm a freaking old man, and sometimes old men appreciate um, things that they perceive to be disappearing from the world. I do not mean to say that these things are disappearing from the world because of for reasons that we should blame on the workers. I am also not trying to ask for when I go to McDonald's uh, to be really taken care of by the people who work there. That is not what I'm talking about. But when you have not experienced any degree of service up to and including hotels, because hotels are so understaffed and the, the covid complications and everything. But when you then go onto a ship where there is a degree of of care spent in making sure you have a good time 
because it's it's understood how much money you're spending. It is so oh, yeah. goddamn refreshing. It is it is it, it you know everyone is so overly courteous to you um, that if you are a person with any kind of soul, you feel like you should reciprocate that, and as a result. There's such a friendly time, and I'm just talking about the crew interaction. And then when you yeah. add on to that, the, the, just the lovely benefits I talked about to, to going to a Star Trek convention where literally the, at a very base level, at, a, at, at starting from scratch, there are no strangers aboard. You can start a conversation mm-hmm. with anyone, and it will be lovely. So, you know, that just leads to kind of this feedback loop of positivity. In the first two days, mm-hmm. I was going around with a smile on my face that just would not go away. <laughs> Uh, and by the end of the voyage, I certainly did not want to get off the ship. So is it worth it? 100%. Um, yeah. There's only one, I would say there's only one major problem besides the internet, which is trash and you shouldn't pay for. Um, right. There was, there's, a, there's a band. There's a band called Band 47, which Cliff, you may get that Easter egg. Um, 47 is a very overused number in Star Trek, and it's become a bit uh-huh. of a meme itself. So Band 47, yada, yada. Uh, yeah. And they make a lot of songs for the crews, and they're a lovely band, and it's really great. But the, the cruise has a theme song, and <laughs> oh, no. it comes up in the rotation on the ship's music loop, um, I think about 18 times a day. So now... That's a little more often than you'd like, okay. Whenever anyone <laughs> says Star Trek Cruise, uh, unfortunately, my brain just immediately locks itself into an immediate playback of Star Trek, Star Trek Cruise. And it is, it's one of the worst things that's ever happened to me. And if there were one thing that was going to keep me off a future Star Trek Cruise, it's it's that song. So, yeah, avoid that song if you can. And, and for the record, have to find I looked that song up the now. pricing. It's not that bad. Like What, what are they advertising? Uh, I mean, ocean view balcony room three grand for seven days. That's not bad. Okay, that's not what I paid. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you got yeah, it. I mean, I don't pricing. even know if this is. This. Uh, I'm at StarTrekTheCruise.com, so I don't no, know. No, that's if it. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that is. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, so, I think yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? If no, that's that's quite a good rate. Um, and by the way, well, uh, that and is, it's also possible that prices have changed since you first booked it. Sure. It's also, you know, we're off season now, so that's yeah. probably oh. part of it too. But you know, just the Star Trek stuff aside, and it was great. I mean, the the thing is, um, I, I sprang for a balcony room um, because I've had an inner inner cabin on cruises before, and it was fine. And what they mm-hmm. say is true, right? You, you're not going to spend that much time in the room, so don't spend too much on the room. Fair enough. Right. Having right. gotten the balcony this time, though, and being able to leave the door open and mm. fall asleep to the to the sea, and wake Hard up agree. and go out there and have a coffee on the balcony, and like, I, I don't even I, know what you're going to say. I'm going to agree with. Yeah, that. I would never, I would <laughs> never go a different way. So if you if you go and, and if you have the means, uh, I highly recommend getting a balcony because I wouldn't change it. Little little uh, Ferris Bueller uh, Easter egg there at the end there. I appreciate. It that. is so choice. So. <laughs> nice. So I was going to take some time to talk about a tech, yeah, but I'm just not going to do that um, because uh, I got five uh, minutes. You if know. you want to talk about a tech, yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I guess we could. I mean, since we are in that level of nerddom, um, you know, this is not Star Trek nerd nerddom. This is, in fact, Ghostbusters nerddom, and I just devoted. 13 hours of my Saturday Whoa. assembling the Ecto-1 um, the Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters Afterlife. Now, 
This is now I, in in this video. This is just some really stupid shot videos that I shot just to kind of give people an idea of like the inner workings of the mechanisms of this. That's the gunner seat that's like popping out there, and you know, wow, this is the steering wheel mechanism that turns the wheel back and forth, and blah blah blah. Well, but some um, technics pieces in there. I yeah, that's so I I really dug building system. this thing. This this Ghostbusters vehicle. Is, oh, this is the hinge mechanism Look that I that. thought was actually kind of cool. So, you no, know, you cool. could have hinges on Legos, <clears throat> right? And so, like, this is um, this is definitely more of a showpiece than it is something that you're going to play with, um, just because <laughs> there are a lot of pieces that like can and will fall off. So, you know, just just be aware of that. If you're going to build this, you're going to put it on a shelf and you're going to look at it and you're going to love it. So don't don't buy this for your 10 year old. It will not last. <laughs> um, but just like, you know, like with all things Lego and we've talked about this before on the podcast, there's such close attention to detail on like all of these different yeah. features of the, of the of the thing. I love it. It's 200 bucks, which is way expensive. Um but it's unfortunately not the only $200 Lego set that I own. <laughs> so um, <laughs> this is definitely like, you know, upper echelon of, uh, of Legos. I'll just run the video again because, you know, why not? And Lego, by the way, not Legos is never a plural. Uh -huh. um, but this is just like that next level of detail. And I love the Ghostbusters. Probably still not as much as Cliff and, and, and Michael love Star Trek, but still, it's up there. Um, Ghostbusters Afterlife was a masterpiece, and I loved it. And this is the this is the car from Ghostbusters Afterlife. There's a little uh, trap on wheels that kind of shoots out the back, if you saw it on the video. That, yeah, like, what is that? Is you know, that one of those things you lay on your back and you get, like, in speed, and you get, like, cabled no, out? It's, you roll it's, under the bus? It's a ghost <laughs> trap. And so if, if you haven't seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, there's a ghost trap on, like, an RC vehicle that they can, like, have uh, drive out in front of the car and, like, catch a ghost and, and stuff like there that. There it is. So if you haven't seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, then a lot of this won't make sense. Uh, the only detail that I did not add was they had, like, stickers for, like, rust spots that you could stick onto there, which corresponded with the vehicle in Ghostbusters Afterlife because it was, like, kept in a garage for 20 years and blah, blah, blah. I did not add those because I wanted a pristine-looking Ecto-1. You wanted a, so, what we call in the prop world an idealized version. That's right. That's right. I very much wanted an idealized version. You didn't, um, want, the, you didn't want the barn find Ecto-1. <laughs> you know, like, the one the one downside that I would say, and this isn't, this isn't actually in the video, but the one downside that I didn't necessarily like, like about the model was there is a noticeable gap between, like, the windows, the like, the, the, the static windows, and the, when the doors close. And I get there kind of has to be because, you know, moving things need room to move but i i saw that and i'm just like really that's what you're doing there can't okay. escape the well, panel seams even if you don't buy a tesla you got panel gaps it's just you know <laughs> yep yep yeah. so there's but these are pretty darn noticeable i'm just saying so <laughs> anyway um that's my tech yeah for the week so i appreciate you indulging my nerdosity I, in the ghostbusters world can i follow up we, with that like with, with a little yeah, detail absolutely. Oh, yeah. like i loved so i i've made many titanic models as you know and one of my favorite things to do was, in fact, to paint rust as one of the final details, is to paint rust on the Titanic model. And people are like, but, but it was a brand new ship. Why would, why would it have rust on it? And the fact is that only the port side, which was facing the pier, was touched up. And the starboard side was just 
just covered in rust uh, because right. nobody was going to see it. It didn't didn't really matter. Mm. Just you know, at certain right. points, not the whole thing. But uh, so I, I, you and I uh, have have different flavors of appreciation for our idealized versus not idealized models. But that model is cool as hell, Adam Dowd. I'm not a Isn't Ghostbusters it? fan, of, it? like hugely. But what a cool model! It was it was really nice. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, we only have a couple of minutes left with you, Michael. So yeah. this is the part where we roll out the red carpet for you and you tell everybody how they could find you. Although, honestly, if they found me, chances are they know where you are. Hey, man, <laughs> I'll tell them anyway, because I have two names now, which is very confusing and inconvenient and dumb. On YouTube, I make videos at The Mr. Mobile, T-H-E-M-R-M-O-B-I-L-E. And I do that on Instagram as well. Uh, but you can also find me at Captain Two Phones, Captain the Number Two Phones, most prominently on Twitter and also Instagram. And And I thank you for the opportunity to share this experience. It was really, really great. I didn't post a lot about the cruise because I wanted it to be a chill time, and uh, I'm happy to share the experience. So thank you for asking. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for doing your hair and uh, <laughs> and coming onto this video podcast, and I Damn apologize. video for... podcasts. <laughs> yeah. oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. And Cliff, it's great to see you again. I talk to Adam all the time. I haven't seen you in a Yeah, it's really good to see you as well. Yeah. Someday, someday we will meet in person, my friend. I guess. Maybe. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe I mean, this is it. Anyway, that could be. <laughs> Maybe I'm gonna this go is cry. as close as we will ever get. Cue the, cue the inappropriate uh, zoom in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so dramatic. Yep. When the camera doesn't do it for you, you got to do it yourself. Okay, so... Let's go ahead and wrap this up. That is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Please consider subscribing to this podcast if you enjoyed it. And if you really enjoyed it, I would love it if you would write a review for the show. If you want some early access, jump on to Patreon at patreon.com slash benefit of a doubt. You can write to the show by visiting benefit of a slash contact. I'd like to thank co-producer Cliff for all of his artwork behind the scenes. And I'd like to thank Mr. Michael Fisher for coming on and telling us all about the Star Trek cruise. But most of all, and as always, I'd like to thank you for listening and for giving us the benefit of the doubt. And see the music fade to black. I was about to say hailing frequencies closed, but I decided not to do that. Oh, you could do that. You could have done that. We could have kept that in. No, it's your pod. You have the last word, sir.